turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. We do so as we do almost every Wednesday with our good friend, David Schweiker, Congressman David Schweiker, representing uh, this congressional district, the one I live in, the one I broadcast from. David, how are you, and how's the uh, little one there? Oh, the little one is just doing remarkably well. Um, how many so, weeks we have? Uh, he, he had his four-month checkup yesterday. Oh, great. So, oh, great. Um, doing well. I'm actually outside because uh, we're doing it's political season, so we're doing a little event. I expect I'll have to call you. And the fattest roadrunner in the world is like sitting ten feet from me. I'll, I'll send you a photo. Oh, it's, please it's, do. They can be gorgeous no, when they're. Not, yeah, please do. Yeah, no. Th- this guy has found a something uh, a smorgasbord to munch on. Oh, okay. So, look, Okay, you know, you know, you know the big lie about the Roadrunner, though the big lie that Warner Brothers perpetrated on 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 American culture. There's no Roadrunner that there's no Roadrunner that can outrun a coyote. Well, you say that. <laughs> you don't want to test. You don't want to see. You don't want to yeah, see that contest here. Okay. I, I'm right, I'm right now cheering for the Roadrunner. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, David, so have you been watching some of the the numbers? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to get your off, sense of those. Tell me what, what's important. I got, off, I got off from one of my polling calls just about an hour ago. And, you know, he's always very sanguine. This is a guy, you know, cause polling committee for the NRCC, um, saying, you know, we don't know yet, but there's no question. There's a big movement to our side. But as he said, it goes through these inflections. People say, okay, I'm, I'm disgusted with the Democrats. I'm thinking of going to the Republicans, so I'll give them a little more favorable in the polling out there across the country. But we're trying to find out, is that where they're settling? Yeah. And it, I know that sounds crazy, but that's actually, because most way people decide, they don't go, yes, no, instantly. It's a progression. Yeah. You sort of work your way there. Um, because you and I, base the people who listen to your show, they're all going to be freaky smart. They're going to understand. They, they started paying policy. attention a year ago. Most people about a yeah. month ago. Yeah, right. But right. Yeah, but but for the swing voters, we need. Yeah. They just figured out there's an election. Okay. Well, David, they that kind of that kind of goes to something I've been saying. You know, people ask me, as I'm sure they ask you, more probably more you than me. But you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? My best answer, you you tell me. It sounds like you're kind of your your, your friend at the RNC or your polling friend is is maybe where I am. I said I think it's going to be a pretty big red victory nationally, but I think at every race, almost every race, is going to be pretty close. Yeah, um, if you have someone running around telling you it's a red wave, I want you to take them and smack them in the back of the head. Okay, because many of these are the same people in 2018 said the economy is great. Things are, this is the most prosperous we've been in decades. It's going to be a Republican wave. And what happened in that case is um, we got crushed by suburban women. Yeah. Wall Street Journal today has a great article, not enough data, but the data side says for a lot of the suburban women, 
they gave Democrats a chance yep. in 2018 yep. and yep. 20, yep. and they ain't happy. Yep. They, they, they realize they got lied to. They got sold a bill of goods. Their family is poor. Their kids were crushed during COVID. You know, the sort of this hyper-woke craziness that is permeated the modern Democrat Party is not what they signed up for. But as conservatives, we're, it doesn't mean those suburban women love us. They no. just decided that Democrats don't work for them. Yeah, We are going to have to step up our game. And if we get their vote this time, we're going to have to work hard to keep it and earn it in the future election. You know, I'm going to interview someone a little later, a Substack writer, a female who uh, declares herself to be uh, very pro-choice, but got so dang gosh darn angry about the covid shutdowns and all that and is looking at her um at her erstwhile pro-choice uh partisans and saying you know the hell with you she wrote on she said on one side is the harm that was done to your children to you to your community over nearly three years on the other is the fear of a loss of access to abortion services what they are hoping is that their female base will believe the the lie that that we didn't know what we were doing and we have to all be forgiven for the COVID lockdowns. And it was all just one big mistake. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. What the Democrats have come out yeah. with in the last 96 hours yeah. is, Oh, give us amnesty for being idiots. Yeah. 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 And, and look, um, I accept in the first couple of weeks, we didn't know what the hell was going on. But if you're going to say, follow the science, if the science changes, you follow the science and say, hey, it turns out, you know, people, young people are going to do great. Hey, if you're morbidly obese with multiple comorbidities, maybe you should stay inside. But they didn't follow the science. They followed the, they followed the, the power. And you know my personal theory is this was much more about the arrogance of power. It was the money. Yep. The amount, the trillions and trillions of dollars that flowed to people's pocketbooks. And, and that's one of the investigations. As soon as we take the majority, we got to figure out what hundreds and hundreds Good. and hundreds of billions of dollars abroad have gone of that COVID money. Good. Good, good. But, you know, I didn't mean to cosmologize this. Uh, you, you're in a race, too. How's your race going, by the way? Look, um, it's a tough district. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a district that they score uh, as voting about a point and a half towards Biden. Um, it's Cook Report has us as a toss-up. Our polling is pretty good. I mean, I, I don't want to uh, engage in melodrama. Our, our polling is fine. But what always makes me nervous is Republicans have changed their pattern of when we send in our ballot. So the majority of our Republicans get their ballot in the mailbox. But now we hold on to it and we deliver it a day or two before the election mm-hmm. or election day. Mm-hmm. God forbid there'd be a big storm that day mm-hmm. or a big traffic accident mm-hmm. in the 101 mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. I beg of people, if you if you don't want to mail your ballot, walk it in, but walk it in today. Yeah, you can do it any um, day between now and Tuesday. Yeah, Because like in our congressional district, at this moment, if the election stopped today, the Democrats would be winning. The Democrats would be winning based on the way people vote up until because then. our ballots yeah. aren't in. Yeah, that's a that's a very fair point, David. It's a, and you know the other thing too, especially about you know this this notion that uh, that your polling friend is 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 looking is is sounding a little bit optimistic here. 
the other thing, too, and I, I remind the audience all the time when, whenever I'm asked, how can this be? How can that happen? How can X, Y, Z take place? I mean, it's still true that first rule of politics, there's a hell of a lot of people out there that don't agree with us. We have to recognize that. We have to recognize that. And I think they've grown. I think the left has grown. They've grown, but... They I mean, I don't know how to explain how Fetterman isn't losing by 10 points. I don't but, know but how to explain but, that. But, but remember, there's, politics are going through a constant rotation. Um, President Trump created a rotation. We now are doing so much better with middle class and working Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Even the working poor Hispanic. Yeah. Because they see economic opportunity. Oh, yeah. Um, but we have populations of well-educated that their lives are pretty safe and stable, that are much more concerned about um, um, perception. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't like the sort of confrontational nature. Um, and so they want a kinder, gentler. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is what happens when you see precincts in a place like McCormick Ranch mm-hmm. voting for Democrats mm-hmm. and neighborhoods that are heavily Hispanic you know, along like Metro Center mm-hmm. that have been moving much more Republican. Yeah. It's yeah. Kind of, you've got to be careful. We have a lot of people still think the folklore of, well, that's a Hispanic precinct. They're for Democrats. And that's a rich precinct. They're voting Republicans. Yeah. And it turns out it's more complicated. It is more. Apar- ap- apartment dwellers. Yep. Um, because there's so many single individuals there seem to be going much more Democrat. Mm-hmm. Single family homeowners go much more Republican. So you gotta sort of blend this all yeah. together, and it still comes down to go talk to individuals yeah. instead of groups. David, this is this. I hope this isn't a comp, uh, overly complicated. Ask me to clarify it if it if if I don't get it out right. But you know, so much polling is showing people are voting number one issue. If it's not crime, it's the economy. Now you're. You're a congressman who, who deals with a lot of different issues and you're strong on a lot of different issues. But you are known to be of, you know, you are known to be one of the guys that really knows the economy and works on the economy hardcore. Aren't isn't it more than the economy, though? Aren't people going to, to the polls on this one and looking at the Republican Party this time? as more than just inflation in the economy. It's everything we said about COVID. It's the transgender stuff. It's the crime. It's the drug crisis. It's, 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 it's a lot behind that economic concern, isn't it? Or am I wrong? No, you're, you're not wrong. I would probably use a different use of language. Um, our election here in, in Arizona will be decided by 300,000 people. These are the true sort of swing voters. And what you see in some of when you actually have detailed polling conversations with them is a sense of angst. Mm-hmm. Angst they is the better. Yeah, it's angst, yeah, isn't it? That's they don't it. necessarily yeah. understand, hey, I had 13% yeah, inflation in my, in my area. Yeah. It's, hey, um, I sure have a lot less money at the end of the month than I used to. Or, you know... Um, Am I really comfortable with what's going on in my school? Or, hey, why are they telling me my, the kids in my, my um, uh, child's class, their math scores have collapsed? Um, you, 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 it, 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 
we, as in the political class, sometimes try to make it too simple. Oh, it's inflation. Turns out it's life. Yeah. And surviving and taking care of your family and trying to prosper is really important. You have, you have some people are just pure ideologues. Yeah, sure. Abortion all the time or it, it's some fringe issue and that's what they bathe in because somehow they found a way to make money on it. But for most people, they just want to, they want to have a normal life. They yeah. want to prosper. Yeah, that's that they want their life to. They want the government to just not make life harder, and maybe here and there make it a little easier, and and have less anxiety. Perfect. Who doesn't want that? Perfect. Right? That is the perfect way to phrase it. David, go get him. Uh, are you sure that's a that's a baby roadrunner? I know it's not a baby. I think that's a. It cool looks like look a baby to me. Well, in, in that case, it is one ginormous. You may have baby sent me a cactus wren. Something from your cactus room oh. library. Um, if, that, if, that's a, if, if that is a cactus right that's the biggest darn cactus right That's a cactus right I'm a giraffe. God bless you, David Schweikert. All right. Go get him. I'll talk to you later. I'm Seth Leapson, 602 We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, I delight in what I'm about to say. I don't typically like um, I don't typically like uh, getting my own joys out of other people's defeat. I don't particularly like doing that, but I have to tell you, David Schweikert just emailed me. I was right; it was a cactus wren. It was a cactus wren. Okay, there we go. John in Peoria by way of Pretoria. Where have you been, John? Welcome back to the show. I've been looking for a nice cup of tea. I bet. It's hard to find, huh? That and a five-cent yeah, cigar. Yeah. Uh, I, two or three things, I'm going to narrow it down to one. You know I'm African, and you know that I use a lot of African illustrations. And I think here's one that... that uh, fits. A Cape buffalo is the number one enemy of professional hunters. When a Cape buffalo has been wounded, he will take great pains and long periods of time to circle behind you and come after you. Okay. And even even when uh, you'll see where I'm going in a uh, minute. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm e- just looking up a Cape buffalo. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So so far, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the the nickname is Black Death because mm-hmm. they're black in color, mm-hmm. and they they cause a lot of death. Mm-hmm. You don't want to wake them up in the morning and say, "Would you like a cup of tea?" <laughs> yeah. No. Even when you take him down, he will fake it very often. Oh wow! And you and you go up. And he'll jump up and take you down. I think that, to me, summarizes what we need to do with our opponents politically. We cannot just rejoice in what we think is going to happen, what I believe will happen in our favor next Tuesday. We cannot rejoice in the temporary takedown. We've got to take them out. And looking in the future, we've got to be on the offensive, not just patty cake on the defensive and occasionally rejoice. You can't win a ball game if you're always on the defense. And I think too many times, too many times, my good friend said, because we want to be polite, because we want to do the right thing, because we want to be uh, 
you know, courteous, etc. We've settled when when we've won a battle when we have we've forgotten about the war, and we better treat the opposition like a buffalo that may be temporary down, but we go about our business. He gets up and takes you again. He's called Black Death for a reason. It's interesting, you we know. We cannot splinter. We cannot divide. We cannot splinter. Democrats don't divide because they only have one objective, and that's power control. Democrats, for the most part, I, I mean, Republicans, for the most part, I think we do divide a little bit because we're trying to, we disagree on what is the best way for America, and therefore that weakens because we splinter. Yes. We better not play defense. Yes. Yes. We better not assume that we have really accomplished a whole lot in the big picture uh, come the good games that we we have next week. We better we better be sure that he's down and what you said earlier an hour ago, double down anyway. You know, uh, the um, there's an old expression, when you aim for the king, you better not miss, right? And I'm True. thinking, based on our conversation, I'm going to inject a little culture and I'm going to start saying, when you aim for the Cape Buffalo, uh-huh. you better not miss. But the other yeah. more serious point is, I think that the word mandate got mm-hmm. um, got a lot more use over the last three years than probably the last 30 years, thanks to probably the Democratic right. Party forcing us through mm-hmm. mandates. There's another use of that term, which is what happens after a wave election. I, I, I suspect, though... The elections everywhere will be fairly close. I suspect it will be a wave in one direction. I suspect that the people are ready to give the Republicans another shot here. I suspect that the trend lines uh, will keep going in our direction. And though we may not win, you know, every race, I think it's going to be overwhelmingly a Republican Tuesday or Wednesday. And Mm -hmm. if that is true, that's a mandate. We better treat it like a mandate. I think that's what you're saying. We better treat it like a mandate. Um, because yeah. they have given us an awful, dirty series of Aguian stables that need to be cleansed. We're not going to get it done by chewing around on the margins. I mean, they, you think about all that we're up against. I mean, institutionalized leftism, institutionalized Marxism and socialism and progressivism in what used to be apolitical or at least by law were apolitical organizations, everything from the CDC to the FBI to the Department of Education. You know, I mean, we have a lot of work to do. We better not. We better not think we've taken down that Cape Buffalo in one election. We got to keep going and going and going. If we're given a mandate, we better act like we got a mandate. Yeah, amen. They have changed culture from crib to, you know, yeah, to, crib to grave, uh, you bet. Uh, to the grave. You bet. And we better, we better, we better take that whole uh, uh, thought process and not just, uh, you know, dance too much on winning a few. We've got to change, rechange, return the culture to what is best for the United States. Thank you. You're a good man. You are too, John. Thank you. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Open line the rest of the hour. If anyone who wants to chime in, feel free. Six zero two fifty eighty. 960. What do you sing? What do you want to see? Be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Wayne is in Chandler. Hello, Wayne. Hello. Uh, you addressed yesterday, and I think your monologue, uh, discussing the Hispanic vote and which way it's leaning. And I think the Democrats have shot themselves in the foot in this election because um, I'm involved in some ministry in Mexico and uh, have a fair bit of contact with Hispanic people. Uh, the Can I ask where in Mexico, out of just curiosity, share curiosity? Uh, east of Mexicali in the uh-huh. farming ajitos. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, uh, I have a Hispanic fellow who does work for me, and mm-hmm. uh, the family is a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. And sanctity of life and the underpinnings of their Catholic mm-hmm. beliefs and so forth uh, bring most of them to respond, in my mind, in a negative way to this front and center support for abortion uh, anytime, you know, up to the moment of birth. Yeah. And yeah. I think that they're going to lose a certain percentage of Catholic vote because mm-hmm. of their position uh, for that uh, abortion issue and trying to uh, talk about women's rights and freedoms and so on. Uh, they have this underlying belief system that, uh, you know, the sanctity of life does not give you liberty for any freedom you want or perceive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, Mexico actually has a stricter abortion law, as I understand it, than does um, most of the United States. Uh, I think almost everywhere in the United States, Mexico is is more strict, which must obviously go to part of the culture there. But also, yes, of course, um, the uh, the the uh, the Latino uh, churches I have spoken to in this in 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 and around the valley on on certain issues, they 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 do not represent uh, what I would have called Democratic Party precincts. Not at all. At least not on the issues. Uh, not on the issues of crime. Not on the issues of drugs. Not on the issues of life. And. So I think what we're seeing, particularly what I was talking about yesterday, Wayne was in Florida and how popular Ron DeSantis is with the Latino population there, even after all the hand wringing that the Republican Party was going to suffer and DeSantis was going to suffer at the polls because of uh, of his moving the migrants, flying the uh, Venezuelan illegals to Martha's Vineyard. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um there's also there's also a certain resentment within various Hispanic or Latin American or Latino American communities, isn't there, about, you know, yes. coming here legally, coming here illegally and the association with the lawlessness that I, I think the emerging yes. consensus is going to put the bulk of the Latino voting population in the Republican Party. If, if we continue to play this thing right and talk more about it the way you are or the way DeSantis is. Um, I think almost everywhere but California, we're going to see this. The trend lines are already bigger than the last elections uh, with the Hispanic population and their vote. They're already bigger, larger towards the Republican Party. And there's another component to the whole law and order thing. Yeah, sure. I think all of this points in the same direction that uh, Latino community wants the same thing the Anglo community wants. They want safety for their children. Of course and they, they do. want control of uh, drug issues. In the, Who you know, doesn't, the right? Of- Who doesn't? 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It makes all the sense in the world to me. And then we just uh, once once we've once, you know once we've gotten that down, um, then we're just gonna we're gonna have to work a little bit harder uh, in the uh, in the African American and the Jewish American communities, and then we <laughs> and then and then we'll be in great shape. <laughs> but uh, but 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 the Hispanic community here may very well help show the way. May very well. Thank you, sir. Thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate that very much. As I go to break, let me um, let me put in a word for our friends at the Midas Gold Group. Joe Biden is the weakest Republican. Excuse me. He is the weakest president. Yes, he would be the weakest Republican and weakest Democrat in modern history. And who knows who's pulling his strings? It all adds up to economic chaos, inflation running rampant in America in a recession that the Biden regime denies. It's time to think about putting portions of your savings or investments into gold and other precious metals. And it's time to do so with the only company I recommend, the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Stocks and bonds crashing down 20% since the beginning of the year. Gold has held its value, protecting its wealth. So I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Trust the only company Seb Gorka and I and thousands of you already know, Midas Gold Group. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Joe Biden is doubling down and doing it again, as he did yesterday, um, blaming uh, the vote for the Republican Party as a threat to democracy and um, blaming uh, all political violence in this country on Republicans. Uh, This is what he said today in his speech that just concluded a little bit ago. Here's an interesting takeaway. We don't settle our differences in America with a riot a mob or a bullet or a hammer. We sell them peaceably at the battle at the battle block. Where have I heard that before? Oh, that's right. I remember almost every day during 2020 from this show. We were talking about how we don't riot, how we don't say people will do what people will do how we don't say these things must continue and they will continue bailing out the rioters, justifying riots, even in breach of COVID protocols, because the name the riot was in was as important a public health problem, i.e. Marxism. Oh, yes, I remember saying that. I remember saying that when Rand Paul was sent to the hospital with a broken rib cage. I remember that when Democrats whose names you would know we're saying that the person who attacked Rand Paul was right. I remember that. I remember saying things like that when Chuck Schumer stood in front of the Supreme Court and said Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch by name have opened, have released the whirlwind and they won't know what hit them. I remember saying that when we were talking about the illegal protests in front of Supreme Court justices' houses. Interestingly enough, only conservative or Republican-appointed Supreme Justice Court justices' houses. I remember when a particular bill 
had to be passed by Congress to put security in front of those Supreme Court justices' houses after an assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh, which was never once mentioned by the president or the vice president of the United States. And I remember that every single vote against that bill in Congress was cast by a Democrat. I remember that. I remember that all too well. Where was Joe Biden then? Here's um, here's uh, Karin Jean-Pierre's uh, opening statement this morning, doubling down on this new messaging. As you all know, the president has long talked about our nation being at an inflection point. He has been clear democracy is under assault and we cannot pretend otherwise. The president will continue to call attention to the threat to, dem- to democratic integrity and to public safety posed by those who deny the documented truth about election result and those who seek to undermine public faith in our system of government. Unfortunately, we have seen mega, MAGA Republican officials who don't believe in the rule of law. They refuse to accept the results of free and fair elections. Ah, 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 ah. Mega MAGA Republicans like this. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. Mega MAGA Republicans like that. Yes, Hillary Clinton's still talking about. Russian interference. That's a real thing. But rightly. Because I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? Folks, look, I have- Joe Biden asking a supporter who claims Donald Trump is illegitimate to be his vice president. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. That's Jimmy Carter. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost, election, he lost it. And he was put in the office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this. He was legally elected but not legitimate. That was Jerry Nadler, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Here's uh, John Lewis. President-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president Diane who, Feinstein. in fact, it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may, in fact, not be a legitimate president. That's the current Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under Joe Biden, Marsha Fudge. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. Do I need to tell you who that was? I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is illegitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. That's Susie Wash. That's uh, Washerman Schultz, head of the DNC. Legitimacy is a question. Yes. So that was a very tainted election, and and in that sense, it's, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that? He beat you because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails, stolen drone, stolen drone, stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> Jimmy Carter laughing it up 
and then I just have 10 more minutes of this if you want it, Karin Jean-Pierre, including, including your own tweets after the 2016 election. Uh, you know, this notion of memory holding, we kind of throw around casually uh, this, this notion of revising the immediate past. You know, there's that old notion that pe- the people will rather believe a big lie than a small lie. The bigger the lie, the more they'll believe it. It seems to me there's there's this new notion of political rhetoric and memory and history as well. The more recent, the more recent the lie, the more easily or more readily they will try to memory hole it. Um, it's amazing how near in the dis, near in the past all these statements are. Hillary is still doing it. Stacey Abrams is still doing it. None of these people have apologized. We warned about the dangers of this. We warned about the dangers of making it okay to joke about or shout about or not joke and not shout about assassinating Donald Trump. We warned about that. There were movies about this. That wasn't just Kathy Griffith. There was there were plays staged in New York. There were famous actors and actresses. There were elected members of Congress who said they would like to beat him. There was Joe Biden who said he would like to take him out in the back and take him and take him out like they used to deal with bullies when he was in high school. All right. I think we all know what the game is here. Republicans to be marginalized, Republicans to be illegitimate. Only one kind of rhetoric matters. Only one kind of violence matters. Not to us. It all matters to us. And that's why we were against it all the time and all the way through. That is why you will not find on social media, you will not find Republicans of recognizable names celebrating, clapping, or cheering the ill health or violence against Democrats. You will find their names very familiar to you, their last names, when it happened to Republicans. Cheering, celebrating, winking and nodding. We take it seriously and need no lectures from them. Welcome to the party, pal, is probably too cynical. But we wouldn't have to deal with this if we had a better political rhetoric and we wouldn't have to ask for a better political rhetoric if the Democrats didn't teach us and teach the insane, the abnormal and the criminal that it was okay to act out with bullets over ballots. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Going to have a new guest on in the next hour, Emily Burns, a writer I'm going to be paying more and more attention to, discovered a piece of hers on Substack today that was um, linked to from Real Clear Politics uh, about this whole nonsense from the professor at Brown University, uh, another Emily, Emily Oster, uh, wanting an amnesty and forgiveness on each side for COVID. Um, it's probably the best thing I've seen written on it. So we'll be talking to her. I love this each side. What 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 forgiveness do I have to ask for? What what what, what did I say wrong? What power and misery did I inflict? What what overarching totalitarian nonsense did I engage in, or our side engage in? What what what, what do we act? No, it all is going to go in one direction if there is amnesty, and I think part of this election is going to be about that too. Uh, I was just looking at um, 
some of some of her essay I'm going to talk to her about. She's an interesting person because she didn't start off as a conservative, uh, but she talks about the lies that we were told during COVID, and she writes, these weren't lies of omission. They were lies of commission. They were lies that were wrought by smelting the credibility of science and medicine in the fires of politics to create weapons wielded by the powerful against the non-powerful. They literally called us terrorists for our opposition. Good writer, huh? She's absolutely right, and we'll talk to her. She has an interesting angle, too, on how the appeal to particularly suburban women in this election on the issue, on the Dobbs Row abortion issue, has been deliberately used to dissuade what damages the COVID lockdowns and the COVID policies have done to women and children. It's an interesting take. She, a pro-choicer, uh, she, um, uh, someone who would probably be considered, uh, at least until two years ago, a fairly liberal person. She writes, my vote this cycle is a vote for vengeance against the party that kept my kids masked for two years, that robbed me of my best friends and strained every relationship I have, that caused us to move to an entirely different part of the country, that perverted the discipline that I love which, and which I used to navigate my life, science, and that then lied about doing it and called me a terrorist for being upset about it. She's going to be an interesting one to interview. Stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 